Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Rodney, thank you so much for coming on Mental Health News Radio. It is a pleasure to be here, Kristen. Thank you. Absolutely. Now, I love how I heard about you through my wonderful friends and neighbors, and uh, they said that you are a politician that is uh, really heavily focused on mental health, and I went, I have to interview that person right now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that uh, interest, and, and that's absolutely true. I, I I do have a couple of jobs these days. I, I do uh, work for a company called Impact Makers, uh, doing uh, technology consulting, and and I'm very passionate about the work there. We're a social enterprise, so uh, as, as a business, on the one hand, we're helping um, businesses to to migrate to the cloud, develop data strategies. Um, figure out their IT security needs and become more agile in, in, in what they do. Um, but meanwhile, we are all profits to charity and supporting a, a number of organizations uh, in Richmond as well as actually Northern Virginia now where we also have an office. And, and, and those organizations we support are helping families uh, with health needs primarily. And, mm-hmm. and related to that, of course, are mental health needs. And, and I've got a particular interest in that area. You know, it's interesting because I actually heard about um, B corporations through um, your CEO, uh, Lewis, and someday I'll get him to come on on the show. He's been very reticent to do that, but um, I. Uh, <laughs> we'll definitely get him on. Yeah, we definitely need to. We have a we have a shared background in technology and databases and things like that. But um, but I didn't know about that type of a corporation until I started speaking with him. And I'm actually considering yeah. um, making the network um, turning it into a B Corp. So because we, oh, we operate fantastic. as one, we already operate as one. Believe me, so I might as well yeah. make it official. Just make it official. And then that's really where Impact Makers started. We were we were a B Corp before they were a B Corp. So like you could say the same thing about like companies like Patagonia, which is now also a certified B Corp like us. But they were certainly up and functioning as, as a social enterprise a long time before the certification. But it's it's great to see more uh, more companies um, taking that step and getting that recognition. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. So tell our listeners about, you know, why did you, when did you, why did you get into politics? That is a grueling world. So you give us an idea around that and, um, and how has just making that decision impacted your mental health? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that latter question may be the best, the best topic of the day. But no, I've, a couple things there. I've, I've actually been involved in state and local government. Uh, really my entire career. I'm, I'm now 30 years, actually right at 30 years of first as an attorney and then as a technologist um, helping uh, state and local governments do what they do better. And, and I was I was fortunate um, as an attorney to be able to jump in this pretty early. I didn't have a lot of technical training, but I had a lot of interest <laughs> in help, helping government to be better. And I, I was fortunate to, to get in pretty early when this whole internet thing exploded back in the uh, mid to late 90s, and I helped uh, Virginia actually develop its first internet presence, uh, virginia.gov, the, the portal, as we call it, and then, then then in turn helping agencies to get online. But the whole aim of that was to make it easier for citizens and businesses to access government and, and to do business with government, get information from government. And I think we made uh, significant progress there, and it, it was a, a great time to be <laughs> be part of that. It was a crazy time, but but a great time. To, uh, to be doing that. Um, I then went into to consulting, um, again, working primarily with government. And you know, a couple things happened there. I, I certainly feel like I know, you know things that are being done, but I also see the things not being done. And, and a lot of that is through the, the charities that we work with. I mentioned um, Impact Maker supports a number of wonderful charities, but you know, really being on the front lines and working with those charities and I've seen uh, you know, the families in need, and, and I've seen right. you know, medical costs that are insurmountable. I've seen uh, drug costs. Uh, I work with. I'm actually on the board of ARC's Partnership, which is a charity that oversees the uh, distribution of donated pharmaceuticals across the free clinic system in Virginia. So it's it's very front line to that that level of medical care. And there were so many families, so many people I met who who literally were making that medicine versus uh, medication versus food choice. I mean, literally, do I put food on the table right. or do I pay, pay for medication? So, so that bothered me. And, and then things, things got uh, you know, personal. I, I had family members, uh, one in particular, who was fortunate enough to, to, to be working on her own uh, as an independent writer. Um, she got health, needed health care coverage and she got it through the Affordable Care Act. In the expansion of those coverages, uh, but then got you know, the, the phone call no one wants to get when she was told um, after a routine checkup that she had stage four breast cancer. So mm-hmm. horrible news, but good news in the sense that she finally had coverage, uh, insurance. So she started a regimen of, of, of chemo and radiation uh, treatments, making progress, but then the letters started coming. Uh, the first letter told her that she had gotten one of those treatments out of the coverage area. I guess it was technically out of state. And they said, no, we can't reimburse you for that. Next letter actually called into question her whole coverage. They oh said that God. they believed that she had a pre-existing condition and, that, and therefore would not be eligible for coverage uh, for, her, for her cancer. Well, in her position financially, that was a life or death letter. I mean, either she yeah. had the insurance she was able to get or she had no care and she would die. There, there was no fallback plan there. She had no other uh, plan to, to go to. Now, she was fortunate. Family members went to bat for her and got the coverage uh, restored. But I, that really begged the question, why, why does someone need you know, three family members <laughs> as lawyers right. to, go, to act on their behalf to get their, uh, their coverage back? 
Um, but but really, uh, I mean, again, at a personal level, the uh, the mental health world, I think, is, is in particular really been an impetus for me to, to run in terms of, of, of the things not getting done uh, there. I've seen at a personal level and, and then a broader level through, through my, you know, my charity work, so many people in need and so many people not getting those needs uh, filled. Um, you know, the personal examples are, you know, even, even with family members who, who did have access to help, um, and I'm thinking now in particular about adolescent support, um, they were able to get support, but then needed uh, facilities. And, and right. what they learned was that they were going to have to drive three and a half hours to get to a facility. And, and again, these are, <laughs> these are folks who are actually at that point in, in Northern Virginia would think there were the resources there. They actually had to come to Richmond. Um, they were fortunate enough to have uh, family members to host them and also the flexibility to be able to take off from work and, and, and be able to support um, uh, the, the family member, but those are you know huge financial burdens, huge time burdens um, on a family, and and why is it so difficult? You know, why is it so right. difficult to get get treatment? Um, so so that led me to sort of start looking at some things and and, and to really start seeing the numbers. And I very quickly learned that you know, one in five adolescents have some level of mental health challenge. That, that's a that's a daunting number. Um, and, yeah. and so if I'm ever if I'm ever amongst a group of of, of um, ten or more <laughs> adolescents and, and and talking about health issues and whatnot, if no one <laughs> if no one is saying or no family <laughs> member is saying there's an issue, I'm like, well, someone's lying. <laughs> right. Exactly. Two of you here. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then even even more troubling numbers of suicide, uh, particularly teen suicide. I, I saw the statistics. Um, citing you know, one in ten males and then one in one in five females um, right. contemplating suicide, and that's, these are just frightening numbers. And, and of course, even more unfortunately, uh, people do take their lives. And I, and I have had a, a family member um, take his own life uh, because of mental health uh, challenges. So those those stark realities <laughs> really brought me to a decision of basically I can keep you know I can keep complaining. I could have right. kept complaining about what was not getting done, or I could step up. And uh, my wife actually is the one who sort of called me out on that. She said, you're, you're really making a lot of noise about these issues, so either stop complaining or, or you should run for office. And I, uh, I honestly had not thought that was going to be the route I would go because I'd been, I thought, fairly effective through, through my business work, through my charity work. You know, in terms of helping people, but I really look back at what um, even as great as Impact Makers is. I mean, we're we're over you know three million dollars in financial and pro bono related support of our charities, wow. and it's with with no argument, I can say we have we have through those charities we have helped hundreds, if not actually thousands, of, of people. I mean, our ex partnership I mentioned the um, the charity works with the uh, helping the free clinics with the drug supply. I mean, they've helped over seventy five thousand uninsured Virginians. That's a huge number. Um, but wow. with all of that good, I still saw what was not getting done. Uh, you know, the hundreds of thousands of people who were still uninsured. Um, there's even a, a larger number of underinsured. That's a little harder to quantify, but it's a huge number. Um, I mentioned that the, you know, the mental health side, those folks not getting care, you know, the inadequate, inadequate facilities for them. Um, that's really what led me to say, yeah, we, we, we've got to do better as a state. Were you, so, were you nervous? I mean, if, if, if politics weren't in your background and maybe there, there were, they were, but were you nervous about entering into, 
you know, that specific arena, because it can be, as you probably now know, even more shark infested waters. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I will say is I, I, on the one hand, I sort of knew what I was doing because in my, in my professional work, I've, I've mentioned, I've worked with government a lot. I've actually done government relations work. So I'm, right. I'm very familiar with the, uh, for example, the state agencies, particularly the state healthcare agencies, health and human resources secretariat. I've worked with basically every agency there. Um, I've, I have worked on many other political campaigns for other people um, okay. and, and helping to, them to get elected. So I felt like, okay, yeah, I may be about, a little above average in, in, or maybe way above average in that, that experience. But I will tell you, running as the person, as the candidate, it is story, a completely yeah. different. It's a completely different experience, and it is, you know, absolutely all-consuming. I, I, I will say though, I, I find, um, yeah, I, I, at times, yes, it's been a daunting task to think about all the things you have to do. You know, raising money, making yourself known to literally thousands of people who've never met me in their life, never heard from me in their in their life. Um, that's a that's a lot of work, but. You know what? What I find, um, and I do, I do spend a lot of time going to people's homes. I do the the door knocking to to let them know I'm running, and I've mm. I've literally talked. I've been to thousands of doors, talked to hundreds of, of voters, and I really find, um, I'm going to say, inspiration for certain, but but also also uh, energy from that because I I have my own personal stories that you know that I that that are causing me to 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 run, but then I hear the same or worse stories from the people I'm talking to. You're going back to the right. pre-existing conditions. Um, <laughs> talking to a young mother and a little, I think it was like a toddler, two-year-old comes toddling up to the door. This is in you know, warm weather, no shirt on, but this toddler's got a about an eight-inch scar right down the middle of her chest. Well, she mm-hmm. was born with a congenital health defect. They fixed it, but the mother's absolutely concerned about this child for the rest of her life potentially being treated as having a pre-existing condition and losing health coverage. And and that's just a threat we shouldn't have to worry about. The the call that, or the the voter interaction probably got me the most though, just from an emotional standpoint. I called, uh, actually someone lives not too far from me. Uh, This is actually a fundraising call and I connected through them through a mutual friend. And I made some reference to my interest in mental health, I, did, I you know gave her my platform in a 30-second nutshell, and I, when I mentioned mental health, she sort of stopped me in, in her tracks and said, "Well, you're not going to believe this, but I actually had to put my daughter in, in, a, in a facility uh, last night, mm. and and wow. that uh, that floored me. I'm, I'm, again, I'm a politician. I'm, I'm I'm pretty good on my feet, pretty good with words, but I literally was speechless for about 30 seconds." On, on the uh, on the phone call because it was so right. it was such a raw moment in the sense that she literally the night before it had to do this but she said you know if I can't share the story if you can't tell your stories then then no one else is going to know it and, and be able themselves to take action when they need to it, it's been too much of you know you've heard this before too much of a stigma attached to um, you know mental health and get and getting help and 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 fortunately. Right. More and more people now are being uh, you know, affirmative, being uh, uh, being a voice for these concerns. And I, I mean, we've seen um, celebrities now talk about their mental health right. issues. And and well, and, we and have big business just, too. That was a that was a big turning point for me in having this network um, was seeing Walmart do a full 
you know, full court press around having um, some of the Walmarts in the United States open mental health clinics and in their stores. And what that told me was, okay, well, they, it's not that Walmart is the mental health clinic. It's just their mental health clinic is renting space in their stores, just like the nail salons, the optometrist, whatever. But Walmart doesn't do a press release for the new optometrist that's coming into a store. It told me that big business now knows that mental health is good for business, aligning yourself with it. And that was that was quarter four of 2018. And, uh, and I went, okay, so I can keep plugging away with this network because at some point (laughs) I'll have more financial support from, you know, from bigger business because um, now it's attractive to be associated. Yeah, no, no, it is good. And and I know there's still some challenges for, for, you know, with healthcare plans in terms of what's covered and what's not covered for mental health. I think, I think we're starting at the right place, which is awareness. I mean, most people don't know the numbers I've cited, how, how prevalent the, these issues are. So, so recognition, step one in our multi-step process. But once we have that recognition, then we need action. We need you know, insurance plans that, that cover this. We need companies that support this. Um, because, I, you know, again, I'm an employer, and I, and I absolutely you know, understand uh, you know, healthy workforce. That's, that's who we are. I mean, we do consulting. Our people are our business. <laughs> and, right, you know, exactly. Their well-being is, is the whole, you know, it's the essential element uh, to, our, to our success. And I think, um, you know, going back to schools, uh, one thing I would like to see done is, is, is much more focus at the school level. I mean, right now, there, there, there's a completely disproportionate um, uh, staffing of counselors to students, and, and yes, it does in a lot of cases trace to money, and in some cases traces to getting pe- more people trained. Um, and, and, and counselors in schools, even if we, we significantly increase the number, are, are not going to solve all the, the mental health challenges that are out there. But they can certainly address some, and they can certainly identify a student who does need a higher level of care. Right now, it's just going to be luck of the draw whether yeah. you, as a, as a um, for example, a high school student with an issue, whether or not someone helps, whether or not you get you get uh, identified for that, and I think that we're, we're leaving way too much to chance there, and so we've got to do better. Um, and that's, well, that's we are. Yeah, we're leaving too much a chance and, um, you know, social media, digital media, addiction in all forms is actually, you know, causing, um, you know, more of the isolation, um, suicide attempts, actual suicide completion, um, anxiety, you know, mental health challenges across the board. And that's going at a much younger age as well with with our kids um, because now they come out of the womb and they have a smartphone or an iPad or, you know. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it has, it has changed. And I think, um, yeah, that's so much of it on, on the, uh, on, on the school. And it's just, it's just that, that identification and, and getting it you know, front and center that, yeah, we need to be taking care, care, taking care of these people. So what are, you know, tell our listeners a little bit about, about that journey of where you're at right now. You're, you're running for the first time, correct? That's right. Yeah. I, I, so, so going back to the to, to what I'm doing now. Um, so my my the hat I'm wearing the most these days is as a political candidate. I am the Democratic nominee for the 73rd House of Delegates district uh, that covers uh, parts of uh, Western Central Henrico County, uh, Virginia. Um, it surrounds part of, of of the city of Richmond. Um, and again, I mentioned I'm I'm a first time candidate. 
uh, for this trying to uh, succeed um, Deborah Rodman, who is the uh, incumbent, but now running for the uh, the state Senate. Hmm, interesting. So how what what's been the reaction to being a candidate in this district that it has mental health as a focus? Because there there aren't a lot of candidates that unfortunately and hopefully more will come, but that will align themselves in a public way to something like mental health. This is another thing. I'm so glad you asked this question. I think this is another area that gives me hope because I, I really did, I felt that worried about it. I was going to do it regardless of whether I thought people might react negatively or not or act surprised. Oh my gosh, he's talking about mental health. But I, I would say almost uh, uniformly, universally, um, people have welcomed that focus. Um, Good. Now, I've had some, I've had you know a few few ringers at the door where where I've I've met some people who are actually in in the um, uh, the mental health business. I've talked to several uh, mm-hmm. psychiatrists just coincidentally at the door, a couple of psychologists, and then a couple of this, uh, other mental health uh, counselors. And so each one of them, as I met them, I said, okay, first thing we're going to do is clone you <laughs> because we need right. more of you, exactly. we need more people in this profession. So obviously they were you know, supportive of my focus, but just talking to, you know, other parents, uh, you know, with, with uh, kids at home, uh, particularly adolescents, I mean, this issue resonates with them. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if I mean, everybody's concerned about the things, yeah, it definitely resonates. I, I, I always find it fascinating, and I am in the bubble of mental health, so of course, to me, you know, I eat, breathe, and sleep this, so it's part of my world. It's not surprising or shocking or anything to me, but when I step out of that bubble, um, it's certainly better. The conversations are better. I always go back to um, what I would hear, let's say, in a nail salon or at a hair salon. You know, two years ago, even, I would mention what I do. I have this podcast and I have a podcast network. It's all about mental health and everyone would get quiet. And now, I today, I can say, this is what I do. And people go, oh, yeah, I deal with anxiety. Yeah, my aunt has depression. Yeah. I struggled with depression. Oh, and you know, that's wonderful because that's way outside the bubble. That's general population and the comfort yeah. level of speaking about these things and also speaking about them in terms of I have these problems where it used to be, well, someone I know has these problems. They didn't want to, you know, identify it as themselves. So that's hopeful, you know. I, I think it is. And, and the other thing I, I, when I, was, I meant to mention this a second ago was the, you know, we, we have um, the addiction crisis at multiple levels, particularly in the mm-hmm. opioid area. And, and there are mental health issues all interconnected with that in terms of how we, we are treating people dealing with addiction issues. And I think that particularly the opioid crisis in Virginia has affected so many tens, it's, it is tens of thousands Absolutely. of families. That, that that also is putting a spotlight on the mental health concerns because yeah there's a, there's a there's a physiological part to that treatment but then they also understand well yeah but there's a huge mental health part to this and you got to look at the whole patient the whole picture here and, and I think that's why this is resonating so much now because so many more families are affected there were plenty affected before but then you lay this this huge opioid crisis on top of it and now it's many more thousands of people who are who are impacted. Absolutely. And it's interesting because it, 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 again, you know, being in this for a long time, it used to be where I would say to a director of a, you know, outpatient substance abuse disorder clinic, would you like to come on my show? And they'd say, why would I come on a show about mental health? I'm in the addiction field. You would never hear that today because now it is one and the same. So I, I see, you know, the change coming and 
Um, and, you know, that's good for all of us. And it's very brave of you to take on, you know, this challenge. I'm glad people are reacting so positively about this being a part of your campaign. That says a lot about where we're at as, as a society, even though I know that there are miles to go yet. <laughs> yeah. No, they are. And then, and I do hope, again, I, I, I obviously have to get elected to be able to have this voice, but I hope I can be a voice in, in the General Assembly. We had a, a lot of people will know there was a, a terrible tragedy several years ago involving uh, Cree Deeds, a, a state senator um, who'd actually uh, run for governor. And his his son um, actually attacked him and then eventually took his, took his own life. I'd met his son uh, when he was helping his dad on the campaign trail, and he seemed like my son. I have, I have two sons, seemed just like my two sons who were in college at the time, um, but obviously had, had huge struggles. But his pre-deeds, with, again, someone who knows more than most folks about how this whole system, this whole healthcare system works, you know, even he had challenges getting you know the right access to the right right facility so he he definitely brought you know through these incredibly uh, unfortunate circumstances you know did bring a spotlight on the issue but even with that even with that spotlight um we still have not made enough progress and i i really think um we've got to take another shot at it i mean i've I've actually talked to the senator and he feels like we're, we're, we're just nowhere near where we need to be and so again i'll just be one more vote if i win but uh hopefully through um through better leadership and, a, and a, a more caring leadership in, in the General Assembly, we can recognize, yeah, these are serious, serious issues. They need uh, our, you know, they need the legislature's support and focus. Exactly, and and you know, it's wonderful when people in positions and you know in politics that can affect that kind of change also can say, hey, I struggle with anxiety myself, or I have struggled with it, or depression, or what have you, because. Um, then again, we're, we're stopping the, oh, those other people that have these problems and going, no, um, everyone has struggled with anxiety at some point in their life. And that is a mental health challenge. <laughs> oh, so it, it just makes it more real, tangible. It's okay to talk about it. Everyone struggles with this at some point or another. And, um, you know, it doesn't need to be stigmatized anymore. We don't, we don't stigmatize people for having a bunion. We shouldn't stigmatize right. people for, you know, struggling with anxiety or depression or whatever it is that, you know, that they're that they're challenged with. And realizing, too, that for some reason, and I put this out to you because I know, you know, you want to be a part of affecting change. Um, for some reason, that one, this one sector of healthcare that is mental health got lumped in with mental illness. Now, they belong in the same area, but mental health, those two words, are not the same definition as the term, you know, mental illness. We don't think of when someone says physical health, we don't think immediately, oh, yeah, physical illness. But we do that in mental health, and it's fascinating to me. But neither should be stigmatized. Neither of those words should be stigmatized. And I'm glad to see there's that separation and that we are not, um, you know, we're working more towards becoming more of a society that doesn't stigmatize either one. No, absolutely. And, and again, uh, I mean, I've talked about, you know, how to, what, what we do once we pass the recognition stage, I think we're making progress there in terms of, of programs and whatnot. Um, another number that came to mind, uh, just thinking about the, um, on, on the children's side of this, uh, I saw a statistic from from one of the from from the state, um, only two counties in Virginia have 
adequate an adequate number of, of psychologists, child psychologists, only two. Right. Um, and, right. and that really, really begs the question: What are we going to do if, if because yeah, you could do the math from there. If only two counties have it, then people are either number one, they're having to travel over the place to get help, or they're not they're getting not help. Getting I think, help. It's, more, I think yeah. it's more the latter, not getting help, and that, that's a really troubling, uh, troubling number. Uh, I mean, I've seen some great programs, more on the awareness building side. Uh, I've, I've here in Richmond, Richmond area, I've worked with the uh, the Cameron Gallagher Foundation and. They have done an incredible job of getting into the schools. That's where they focus. Although they help companies too, but their their real focus or main focus has been in, in the schools, and, and and just raising these awareness levels uh, because they're uh, the folks who started the foundation um, had a daughter who suffered from depression and anxiety, and and was becoming herself as a as a as a teenager an advocate on these issues and, and had. Uh, I think become a great voice in this area. Then, unfortunately, in a completely unrelated uh, it, uh, issue, uh, died from a, from from a heart problem. Uh, so she was not mm. able to to carry it on. But but that did lead the family to carry the torch, and they now do mm. um, just amazing work across Virginia and and actually outside of the state as well. Well, it makes me proud that I've picked this state as my home for now. <laughs> yeah, that's, no, that's good. That's good. Is there anything else that you would want to share um, with our our listeners around your your political travel? No, and I think um, the one thing I'll say that that's the most important thing to, to think about right now is you know, people say, well, I, I, I can say this for mental health, I can say this for um, uh, education funding, I can say this for for uh, for environmental issues. People say, well, what can I do? And, and, the, and it's very easy to get. <laughs> Like I'll use the as, as the analogy, use the, the environmental work. It's very easy to get down the weeds and say, well, I've got to recycle more. Right. I've got to replace those leaky windows we have that let too much uh, cold air in. Um, uh, yeah, maybe I should look at getting a, a, a hybrid car or whatever. But but end of the day, end of the day, when you when you talk to the experts, the folks who know the most about how to to try to solve the climate crisis or case in point, how to, how to address mental health issues, the biggest, the most important thing you can do is vote. Because right. it's at the policy level, it's at the regulatory level, the statutory level that we can affect change. You know, when you talk about actually getting more counselors in schools, expanding the uh, mental health um, training programs in schools, um, getting more facilities, more beds that, that where they're needed, uh, and, and getting more people trained in, in, in this profession. I mean, that, that's a heavy lift, and that's only right. going to come when the voters say it's a priority. And, and that's, Absolutely. again, another reason I'm running is that you know, I, I think I can have a, more of an impact as, as, as an elected official to, to hopefully lead that, that prioritization. Um, yep. That's really, really one of the main reasons I'm running. Good. And then you'll be that example that other politicians can, you know, um, mark their careers by, ah, I want to go in that direction too. Let's see how he did it. And other states can look at that. I mean, we see how that happens. So hopefully you're a seed yourself that's been planted and you're going to bloom in that direction. I will certainly, and my network certainly supports that. Well, Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Tell our listeners where they can find out more about you. Yes, um, uh, best way to, to learn about me is through uh, my, my website, uh, rodwillett.com, and that's R-O-D-W-I-L-L-E-T-T 
Facebook.com. And, uh, and I also would appreciate uh, feedback and suggestions. I've had to some amazing conversations with, with the people I've interacted with through this campaign, the various events and fora and, and, and uh, homes I've visited <laughs> around the, uh, the district. But by all means, I can contact me through that site and, and please do so. Absolutely. Well, thank you for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Kristen. Absolutely. And listeners, thank you for tuning in to another edition of Mental Health News Radio. I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous. And they're just good people. And also MyGenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, CopeNotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. Sometimes I'm passive aggressive, but never without good intentions. I heat up and act on my emotions. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all, we promised we'd be That was awesome. Great. Oh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. I uh, really, really appreciate it, uh, Kristen. That was a great, great conversation.